Just a couple of quick announcements. First of all, I'd just like to say Joe is with us from Fort Hood in Texas. And so visiting. So good to see him. Miss him so much. He grew up in this church, if you're wondering who Joe Hayes is. And um, I remember the day he was born. Now he's uh, serving our country honorably. Thank you for your service. So, so, so grateful to, that he can come and be with us for a few days. And uh, so glad that we can visit with him. Also, Mr. and Mrs. Nally. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome back from their honey. Are you still on your honeymoon? So <laughs> I officiated their wedding just a week and a half ago in Oklahoma City. It was a wonderful, wonderful ceremony, wonderful time with your families. And, and uh, so they're back, and now it's back to work. Right, Dustin? I got a lot of work for you to do at the house. So anyway, it's good to see everybody else here. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Jerry's wants to give you a, a Bible so you can read with us in Psalm 119. As you know, Holy Week is beginning. I don't want you to forget that there is um, men's prayer on Saturday morning, and the middle schoolers' parents are getting all the information for the middle school snowshoe hike. What I understand, some fresh snow is coming uh, to the park and to us uh, starting tomorrow night into Friday, so um, they should have a good time. Uh, Luke and Ashley has a list of all the things that they need, and also I just wanted to thank you uh, it was about, I don't know, six months ago or so, uh, we were praying about buying a van uh, for the youth, and uh, so God provided a van. That's what's parked out there, if you're wondering uh, that it's out there. So, yeah, and we've always lived by where God guides, he provides. So he's provided a van for them, so they're going to load up and go to snowshoe trip, and um, and use it for other things. So we're very excited that God has provided uh, for us to have that van. But they'll have all the information. Parents, they do need to sign a permission slip uh, for the snowshoeing uh, on Saturday. And then Saturday evening is Koinia, hosted by Jerry and Sandy Sanders. And so be sure to look at all the information there. For you who are new to Calvary Chapel, it's a great way to uh, get to know some people and in the small groups. We've been trying to do more of that with uh, young marrieds on first Friday of the month and then having a family-like night, what we did uh, on Sunday night. It was just a great time uh, for families that have uh, children in the children's ministry to come together. And just uh, it gives me a chance to be able to visit and things like that. So um, those are things that we like to have to be able to develop those relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. This Sunday starts Holy Week, um, and we have finished the prison epistles, and it was a wonderful study. So this next week during Holy Week, I'm going to be in Matthew's gospel during the whole week, starting with Palm Sunday, and we're going to be looking at the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem out of Matthew's narrative. So 8, 9.30, 11 o'clock, three Sunday morning services. We don't have to worry about clocks ahead, clocks behind, and all that. So hopefully everybody will be straightened out because a few people didn't set their clocks ahead and they missed out on Sunday. But always remember that our teachings are uh, always uploaded uh, on our webpage, calvarychapelgreeley.com, and the Wednesdays and Sundays, so you can always catch up, and the CDs, of course, are available as well. Um, and then on Wednesday, a week from today, um, you know, I've been advertising on Grace FM 
uh, Holy Week and inviting people to come, uh, you know, at, at the tail end of our radio program under the fig tree. And, uh, and one of the things I mentioned is we'll be looking at the last moments uh, of Jesus there in the garden. I kind of lied on that. I changed the text um, for next week because the Lord kept pressing upon me uh, as we're going to be studying on Sunday, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. But then verses 12 and 13 talk about uh, how Jesus overturned the money changers' tables. And the Lord just really spoke to me about some things about that that I really want to focus on a week from today. And I believe that he would have to say some things not only to us personally, but for us as a church as well. So I'm really looking forward to that study uh, to be a blessing. And then we will have a good Friday service on the 25th, Friday at noon. We're going to look at the crucifixion of Jesus from Matthew's narrative and uh, make some uh, comments on that. And the service is about 45 minutes long, so if you get a chance to get off for lunch, uh, please uh, come. It's a family service. We won't have nursery or children's uh, you know, ministry taking place. But just come, and, and we're going to look at that and uh, worship the Lord in a short service. But it's a powerful service as well as we reflect on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, dying for our sins. And then Resurrection Weekend, uh, Easter Weekend. We have a Saturday night service at 6 o'clock, and then three Sunday morning services, 8, 9, 30, and 11, as we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and celebrate the fact that he is alive, just as we sang tonight. And uh, so, uh, again, I would encourage you not only to come out to the services, but invite somebody. Invite somebody at work, even if it's the Good Friday or Resurrection Weekend or Palm Sunday or next Wednesday. Invite them out. And this is the time of the year where people are more likely to come to church in one of those services. And we want to give the gospel. We want to tell them that Jesus died for their sins and he's alive. He rose again and the tomb is empty. Amen. The greatest message that ever has been delivered is Jesus would say, and the angel would say to Mary, go tell the disciples that he's alive. That he's alive. The tomb is empty. And Mary was told that in John's narrative, and, and she was the first missionary that went and told the disciples that Jesus is alive, and his body's not there, and the tomb is empty. And then all of a sudden, John and Peter, they run, and John being younger, he gets there first, and it says that, that he just kind of looked in as he was at the door of the tomb, and then Peter, who was older, and he historically was called the giant. I imagine that he comes barreling in and kind of runs over John and looks in, and he's amazed that Jesus is alive. And they went out, and of course the disciples would then take that message to Jerusalem, to Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that's a message that we get to give to others, and I pray that we do that. I pray that we would be ones that we would be bearers of good news, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Just as Paul, when he came into Corinth, and I read that at the beginning of service last week, and uh, Paul said, when I came to you, I came in much fear and trembling, and I came not in the wisdom of man, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you see, that's the message that all of us can give is that we can give the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's a message that the world desperately needs. It's a message that Greeley needs. It's a message that Will County needs. And there are a lot of people out there that are lost, and they don't know the gospel. And we have great opportunity to be able to reach out to those around us at the workplace or in the neighborhood or family members or at school to be able 
to encourage them, come and hear the greatest news ever given. And so be praying about who you might invite. There's some extra flyers that we have out there. You have uh, this flyer here that you can give to somebody, but we have some extra ones. If you're able to take it to work, take it to work and, um, and uh, put it up. If, if they'll allow you to do that, you won't get fired or anything, but, um, or just sneaking in people's desk. I don't know. So <laughs> whatever you can do to get the message out or, you know, you know just pray about it, Lord. Who would be open to come? And I know that we're doing the same thing, our family as well. So don't forget also on the 20th, uh, which is Sunday, um, after the third service, we're going to have a meeting, vacation Bible school meeting, a planning meeting. So after the third service in the room over here, getting the ball rolling on uh, vacation Bible school, which will be June 13th through the 15th. I am so excited about that, to be able to get out and, and do a park outreach. And last year, you know, we felt like the Lord wanted us to do that. We've always done a five-day vacation Bible school here in the building, and it's been wonderful, and it's been great. But we really felt like the Lord was really pressing on us to go out into the community, go out into the parks, and invite the neighborhoods and, and the kids, and really reach out in that way. We didn't know what was going to happen last year. We did it for a couple days, and we did a park in the west side of town. We did one at Island Grove, and we learned a few things. There was a wonderful response. It was a great time, and it was a learning curve for us as well. So this year, we decided we're going to stay at Island Grove and, and do it for three days and really, you know, hit the community after uh, Easter. We get into April. We're going to start advertising it. And we're going to start reaching out to this community, uh, to, you know, the kids of Greeley to come and learn about Jesus and give their lives to Jesus Christ. And then, it, you know, hopefully it will, it will spread to where families are getting saved. I have such a heart uh, to see people come to salvation and I hope that you do as well, and um, because I really believe that we're in the end days, and I really believe the Lord's coming back, and it's perilous times, and there's so much darkness out there, and we need to be about giving the gospel and, and serving the Lord, and when you really think about it, the Lord has privileged us to be in this generation. Could we be the generation that sees the return of the Lord? I believe that we could be. We don't know the day or the hour, but he's privileged us to be ministering at this time in this day because there's a lot of people that are really mixed up and confused and in darkness and the condition of our country, and we are able to bring truth and to bring the good news to others. And I pray that we're a church that we desire to do that, that we have a heart for the lost, uh, that people should be running to this building to hear the gospel, to hear the truth of God's word. Because a lot of people are in darkness and sadness because they don't know about Jesus and the truth of Jesus Christ. So be praying, be praying for what the Lord wants to do next week. Invite somebody out. You know, if they grump at you, so what? You know, uh, let them grump at you. And um, if they uh, snarl at you, so what? You know, ask them. Do you realize that sometimes when you give the word of God to people and when you ask them to come to church and they snarl at you and kind of grump at you and stuff, don't take it personally. Maybe it's because they're being convicted and the Lord's convicting them. That happens more times than often. 
And, um, you know, I know that as I go out in the community and, and as I minister, I can just give a simple message. And, and um, I'll give you one example. And, um, you know, one of the um, commanders at the sheriff's office, I remember years ago when I gave him a Bible. And he grumped at me and snarled at me, and I don't need this thing, and threw it up in the shelf. Well, about two years went by. And remember when we had the fires up here? Um, and uh, Grace FM went off the air for about two weeks. He calls me up and he says, where is that radio station you're on? <laughs> I said, why are you asking? Because I've been listening to it. And it's changed my life. And he gave his life to the Lord. And he said, that Bible you gave me, I'm halfway through reading it. So, you keep giving the word to people, giving the truth. Let them snarl at you. Let them snicker at you. But you love them. And if anybody's here tonight that you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, he loves you. And he wants to save you. And he went to the cross for you because of his love for you. You know, one of the things that Peter did when he was in the... The garden is he, he took a sword out and he was going to defend Jesus and he cut the ear off of Malchus and Jesus said, Peter, put the sword away. Don't you know I can call down 12 legions of angels? Don't you know that I'm going to take on the cups that the Father has given me to drink? And Jesus at that time, he could have just simply spoken and 72,000 angels could have descended upon that garden now, remember in the Old Testament, we, we saw that it was one angel that wiped out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Can you imagine what 72,000 angels could do? But Jesus didn't. And the reason that he didn't is because he was going to take on the cup of suffering and death for you. For every single one of us. And as he took that cross, he walked down the narrow streets of Jerusalem... It was called the Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrows. And out to Damascus Gate into a place of execution. And he went because of his love for every single one of us. And he went to that cross and he shed his blood, his body convulsing, beaten so badly. That's what we're going to be looking at and reflecting upon next week. And then as he was on that cross, he cried out, It is finished. I've done the work. I've paid the price. I've provided atonement for sin and forgiveness and redemption and propitiation and all those big words that we talk about in theology. But he says, I've done the work. And he was put into a tomb of Joseph of Arimathea that had never been used. And then on that first day of the week, they discovered the tomb was empty because he was alive. He validated what he did on the cross. And you see, he did it because he desires to save everyone. They will give their hearts. That's his desire that none should perish, but all come to repentance. And I pray that we would just really say, Lord, I want to be committed in this Easter season and this year to really pray for those that I know and love, that they would come to know Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you don't know him, give your life to him because he loves you. He wants to forgive you. And he's alive. And he is real. And we believe in a risen Savior. Amen.
And he desires not only to give you eternal life, but to give you abundant life as well, a life of blessing and a life of hope and a life of joy and peace to guide you. And you don't have to be all mixed up and messed up in this screwed up world. You can come into the kingdom of God and have the promises of God. Well, I guess we're not going to get through all of Psalm 119. (laughs) Father, I do pray that as we just take time, and the gospel is incredible, that the creator of the universe would love us so much to become a man and obedient to death, to death on the cross. To take on the cup of suffering and death that we may have hope. We can't save ourselves. We can't be spiritual enough. We can't be good enough. We can't be smart enough. We can't be righteous enough. It's only by the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And knowing that Jesus rose from the grave and he's alive. To set the right hand of the Father And Lord, we have the word of God that tells us as we come in faith that we can believe and know that we have eternal life, relationship with you, forgiveness of sin, and you make us new. So even as we start the service, I pray tonight, if there's anyone here that you've never given your life to Jesus, even as we begin our service, I pray that you would right now give your life to Jesus Christ. If he's knocking on the door of your heart, don't shut him out. If he's speaking to your heart, don't harden your heart. But give your heart to him. And cry out to him that, Jesus, I come to you a sinner. And I come to give my life to you right now. Forgive me. And I believe that the work is done. You did it. And now I just come in faith and ask you that you be my personal Lord and Savior. Oh, thank you for dying for me and loving me. And I believe you rose from the grave and you're alive. And thank you for hearing my prayer here right now. And if you did pray that prayer, when the service is ended, I want you to come and tell me the decision you made so I can pray with you and encourage you. But Lord, now as we go into your word, give us all understanding. Encourage us and bless us in this wonderful psalm. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Psalm 119, as I said, is the longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses, and it emphasizes the ministry of the Word of God to grow us in holiness and the blessings and the benefits of knowing God's Word. You know, somebody asked me a question a couple days ago. It was a very good question of if there is one thing that you want to... uh, to know that you did, or the priority of your ministry, um, if, if you uh, were to look back at your ministry, what's one thing that, that you pray that you accomplish, is what they're asking. And it was a good question. And it's an easy answer for me, because it's the same answer I've had for 20 years. And one of the things, as a pastor, that I desire more than anything is to teach the Word of God, because I know there's such benefit in, in teaching the Word of God and knowing the Word of God. 
And you see, as we go through the Word of God, it reveals who God is to us. It reveals salvation to us, the nature and the character of God. It gives us truth. It guides us. It directs us. It lifts us up. The promises of God we get to know, the commandments of God, His love, all those things. And I'll tell you this, that the person who is mature spiritually... The person who is doing well in their Christian walk is one who continually studies the Word of God. And there is no substitute in that for maturing in your walk with the Lord and knowing Him and loving Him. So my desire is that you would grow in the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ and that you would grow in faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I know that as we go through the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, as I do not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God's Word in all 66 books and all the chapters in line upon line, I know that as we do that and as you have your own devotions, you're going to grow. And you're going to mature, and you're going to benefit, and you're going to be blessed. And you are going to be able to walk in godly wisdom. Again, as I mentioned, we don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to walk in confusion. We don't have to to be deceived. And we know God and his love and his promises. So there's great benefit in knowing the word of God. And, and there is growth and maturity that comes as we study God's word and continue to study it. And that's what this psalm is talking about. Now, this psalm is an acrostic with eight lines in each section. And the successive section follows the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. We will see that. So section number one is the first letter. It starts out in, in the Hebrew alphabet, verses 1 through 8. And then verses 9 through 16, the next eight verses, it begins with the second letter of the Hebrew alph- alphabet till you go through 22 sections, 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so the author here writes it in that way. We don't know who penned Psalm 119, but most rabbinical scholars and even Christian scholars and commentators suggest that it was probably David that wrote and penned this psalm. And the reason is is because you might recall in Psalm 19 that David uses some of the same words for the word of God that the psalmist here uses. And then also we see that the word of God is, is, is described as perfect and blameless and pure and righteous compared to being more valuable than gold, uh, sweeter than honey. Uh, Those are words that David used in Psalm 19. So the word of God is going to be the emphasis here. And there's eight words that are used for the word of God as we go through this. One is the law. Second of all, testimony. The third word used is precepts. And then statutes. Uh, Fifthly, commandments. Number six, the judgment of the Lord's. And then the word, that is the word of God. And then number eight, the promises of God. Those are all references that are speaking of the scriptures in the word of God to you and to me. So let's begin to look at Psalm 119 as we read, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Verse 5, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes, and then I would not be ashamed. When I looked into all your commandments, I will praise you with an uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, and I will keep your statutes, oh, do not forsake me utterly. So in the first eight verses, it opens up with how blessed, 
Blessed are uh, the undefiled. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Matter of fact, there's only out of the 176 verses that the word blessed is used three times. We see it in verse 12 as well. And there is blessing, we know, for those who seek the word of God wholeheartedly. You see, again, that knowing the word of God, when the scriptures makes that reference, it's not just talking about a head knowledge of knowing the word of God. You see, there can be a lot of people, I don't know a lot of people, but there are those who can be very scholarly, they, they are very academic, but the word of God is in their head. But to really know the word of God is to get it down into your heart. And I've said this many, many times, as the psalmist here is saying, that, that you would be one that seek him with your whole heart, that you, as the psalmist is going to repeat here in this psalm, that you seek the word of God with all of your heart. It, it's to be in your heart. The word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I've said this many times, that what is in your heart will be worked out in your life. So it's more than just a head knowledge. But to truly walk in God's wisdom and to walk in his word is to know it in your heart and have it worked out in your life. And that is such a key in our Christian life that we experience blessing as we do that. And the psalmist writes in verse 6 that you will not be ashamed. In other words, you're not going to be deceived. You're not going to walk as a fool. You're not going to be in darkness. You're not going to experience those things. But as you are in the word of God, it's going to benefit you. We should seek the word of God with all of our hearts. And as we do apply it, we know that we're going to draw closer to him. And it's going to cause us to worship him. And it's going to cause us to just, oh, as we read about the Lord. I remember when the word of God was first opened up to me. I went to a Calvary chapel. We're in Matthew's gospel. And I remember uh, the pastor reading it. I was thinking, he, he was reading the text out of Jesus on the hillside saying, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And learn of me. And you'll find rest for your souls. And I remember as he was going through Matthew's gospel. And Matthew looking at the multitudes with compassion. And like sheep without a shepherd. I remember just sitting there going, oh, the love of God. I never knew it. I thought Christianity was all about being religious. And, and, and you know, traditions and and ceremonies and sacraments and that's what Christianity was to me. And I remember when I first heard it how my heart was touched and it continued to be touched and even to this day. That as we know him and as we have the word of God in our hearts and oh, it causes us but just be at awe and, oh the wonderful love of God, his provision, his promises, his faithfulness. And it causes us to worship him and want to know him more. So the psalmist starts out about, you know, when I look into your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart, and I will keep your statutes, verse 8, and, and oh, do not forsake me utterly. In verse 9, uh, the second section here, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Now I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. In verse 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. And I will not forget your word. So the benefits of taking in the word of God is that he will keep us 
from sin. The Word of God keeps us in a place where we're being cleansed. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the Word of God. There's a cleansing that takes place, isn't there? I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, and I'm sure you feel this way, that you know, you're at work, you're out in the world, you're doing you know, what we need to do, and you come home and you feel dirty and dusty, don't you? We can feel yuck and all the stuff that's around us. And it's so good to be cleansed by the Word of God. There's a cleansing that takes place. And of course, Jesus would say to his disciples, you're clean by the words that I've given to you. And it was Paul that wrote in, in Ephesians chapter 5 that you wash your wife with the water of the word. There's a washing that takes place as we just take in the word of God, as we take in uh, the precepts and, and the commandments of the Lord. Take heed to it. That word take heed, as we're going to see repeated here, means that you are taking it and working it in your heart. You're applying it in your life. That's what it means. Timothy, take heed. To yourself and to the ministry that's been given to you, follow my manner of doctrine, what you've been taught, the truth of the gospel. Be an example to the believers in word and conduct and faith and love and purity. Make sure that you are taking heed to yourself. Take heed to the word of God. Have it applied in your life. We should seek the word of God again with all of our hearts. And when we apply it, we will be blessed. And, and then verse 15 says that we're to meditate on your precepts. Now that word meditation has different meanings to people. Some people think of Eastern meditation, right? New age kind of philosophy and meditate and empty yourself of, of thought and breathe in, breathe out. Meditate, empty yourself. I don't have a whole lot to empty. There isn't a whole lot up there. So I need to fill it is what I need to do. I need to fill my mind, meditate on the word of God. And that's what the biblical meaning is. To fill your mind with the word of God. Renew your mind. There's the battle that goes on up here, isn't there? In our minds. We have the flesh, this, not very impressive, skin and bones. You know, muscle, fat, all this. Um, Then there's the spirit, the real us. But then there's the soul, the emotions, the mind. And that's where really the battle takes place so oftentimes. And the world messes with their minds. And the enemy wants to wreck us, you know, and and accuse us and all of this. So it's very important that we're taking in the word of God, being washed, meditating on it. Joshua, Joshua, you're going to go into the promised land. Moses has died. And everywhere where you tread your foot, you're going to possess it. And if you want to have success, meditate on the word of God day and night. The first commandment given to, Mo, to Joshua was that you go into the promised land. And then how it is that you're going to succeed in the best sense of the word. Be successful as you meditate on the word of God day and night. And that's what you and I are to do. You want to be successful in the true sense of the word in your spiritual life? Meditate on the word of God day and night, taking it in, being cleansed by the word of God. Your word I've hidden in my heart, verse 11, that I may not sin against you. Meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways, as it says here in in verse 15. And verse 16 goes on to say, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. In other words, keep studying it. I will not be negligent to remind you of these things, though you be established in them, Peter would say to the Christians. Paul would say that it's not tedious for me to write the same things to you, but for you it is safe. 
Sometimes we wonder, why does God repeat himself? Like the book of Deuteronomy repeats the law all through it. Well, it means Deuteronomy, the second law. Not that it's a new set of laws, but it's being presented for a second time. Whenever we see, like in the Gospels, the triumphal entry that is mentioned four times in the Gospels, and like the feeding of the 5,000, it's like the Lord is saying, I want you to remember I'm going to repeat because we easily forget. So we can never exhaust the Word of God. Continue to study the Word of God. I pray that none of us would have the mindset of, oh, I've been to Bible study. I've been going to Calvary Chapel Greeley for 10 years, and we've covered most of the Bible in that time. I don't need to go anymore. I realize as I've been teaching the Bible for 20 years here, how much more I need to learn. I need to learn more. You know, one of the things that you'll realize that you don't know as much as you think you know, do an hour of Calvary Live. (laughs) And I'm going, ooh, Lord, I don't know. I thought I was pretty smart, but I'm not very smart. Some of the questions that are asked, you got to be, you know, think. And I realize that there's so much that I need to know. There's so much more I need to be reminded of. Paul would say to Timothy at the end of his life, Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament, Timothy, I'm in this dungeon. My departure's at hand. And I want you to bring my cloak. Bring my coat. It's cold in this dark dungeon. And especially bring the parchments. Bring the scrolls. It's like Paul is saying, I want to read the scriptures. Bring the scrolls to me. Here's a man that had a deep love for the word of God that even at the end of his life, when he's about ready to get his head lopped off, he's desiring to know the word of God. And we need to continue in the word of God and not forget the word of God. We need to be ones that are students. We can never exhaust studying the word of God. So the psalmist here is saying that I will not forget your word. And then verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the the curse, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. So the psalmist is praying that God would open up his eyes, that they would see God's wonderful truths. It reminds me of what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1. He's telling of all the spiritual blessings that are ours as Christians, that you've been chosen, you've been redeemed, you've been you know, forgiven, you have his inheritance. He goes on in all these blessings, and then he begins to pray for the Christians in chapter 1. And I pray that they would have their eyes enlightened to the understanding of the hope of his calling and his inheritance in the saint. Paul's praying that you may your eyes be opened up, enlightened to the understanding that you have the hope of heaven and that you and I as Christians, that we are his inheritance. In other words, you are so valuable to the Lord that he considers us his inheritance. That's after we're told that we have an inheritance in God. We're joint heirs with Christ. All the riches and the glory of heaven is our inheritance. Now, If we're going to be carnal, 
And we talk about inheritance. You want an inheritance, you want it from somebody that really has something, right? Oh, or am I the only carnal one? So <laughs> I'm trying to make a point here. Just remember those things will go away. But here's the thing. The, the riches of heaven are absolutely so glorious and incredible. That's our inheritance. And then when I think about that your eyes may be open, enlightened, the hope of his calling that we got to hope of heaven and his inheritance. But then he goes on to, of his inheritance in the same. In other words, his inheritance is you, is me. And I think, Lord, you got the short end of the deal. I'll speak for myself. But that's how valuable you are to the Lord. That's how much he loves you. Don't ever go away thinking that I'm not valuable, that I'm a spiritual waste, that God doesn't care about me. I'm not important to God. You are his inheritance. You belong to him, and he loves you. And you're very valuable to him. So may our eyes be enlightened. May we be ones that we open our eyes to the truth of how much the Lord does love us. And then as he goes on, he says in verse 22, Remo- Remove me from reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me. Here's the thing, folks, and I know that you know this, but I'm going to say it again. We need to understand this, that when we become Christians and we stand on the truth of God's word, the world's going to have contempt towards us. The world is going to be upset and angry at us, right? We need to know that. And we need to accept that. We're going to be a reproach to the world. The world is going to hate us. Jesus said the world will hate us because it first hated me. And we're not of the world. We're in the world. But we need to understand, especially in the atmosphere of this nation and our world today, is that the world is going to hate us as we stand on the word of God and as we speak the word of God. We will become a reproach. We will be ones that the world will have contempt for us and be ones that come against us in the truth of God's word. And we need to stand firm. We need to know that the word of God is true. And the world isn't going to like us for it. But don't back down from the word of God. Because if we give in, and a lot of churches and Christians have the tendency to do that and beginning to compromise, and it's a concern, isn't it? But we're not helping people. We're not bringing salvation and wisdom to them. But our weapons are truth and God's love and to pray for people. But we know that the world is going to see us as a reproach. Remove me from reproach. He's saying that they would be open, you know. Your servant meditates on your statutes. I I do want to make another application. Because the psalmist is talking about husbands, wash your wives with the water of the word or being clean. The psalmist here is talking about by taking in the word of God. And and then Paul talks about husbands, wash your wives with the water of the word. And that word reproach can also mean disappoint. Husbands, wives, you don't have to listen right now, okay? 
Husbands, listen. It's for me too. Our, I pray that our wives wouldn't be disappointed, our children wouldn't be disappointed, because we're no longer leading in the way that we should be. That we're no longer washing them with the water of the word. Maybe at one time when you, you were young or you got married or there was that, you know, that excitement for the Lord and you, know, you had the expectations that you were going to, to be in church and, and you were going to have you know, Bible study and devotions and prayers together, but something happens over time and you stop. All of a sudden, your wife is disappointed, your kids are disappointed because... It isn't important to my husband, you know, my husband to, to lead us in devotions or to make sure that we're in fellowship or we're hearing the word of God that we pray together. And listen, I'm not saying this condemningly. I'm saying it for an honest evaluation for us. Because over the last 20 years, I have talked to wives that said, you know, at one time we were in the word, but all of a sudden it isn't important to my husband. He's not washing us with the water of the word. It's not a priority to be in fellowship and be in church. It's not important that we be serving the Lord and go to church together as a family, but it's so much easier to to whatever. To watch TV or go out to breakfast and do whatever it is that we do. There's There's all kinds of things that will take us away from being together as a church and studying God's Word. Every weekend from now until... Next fall, there's a festival or a carnival or some kind of race or something. And I'm not saying, listen, hear my heart that you miss a Sunday and you're a terrible person. But honestly, as you go to the Lord, and particularly you who lead your homes, is it a priority for you to be here? Now, I understand I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because you guys come out on Wednesday nights. You guys come out to to hear the word of God and being taught the word of God. But never lose that. Never lose that to where you make it a priority that we're going to continue in the things of God and being a part of a a group of believers and, and a part of a family of God. God has been so good to us, hasn't he? I think he has. I know he has. I got some info this week as I get every week and come to the seminar and how you can have a great church and I'm thinking I have a great church I don't need to go to your seminar get all hyped up and And I don't say it boastfully It's because of people like you that have made it a priority to come and hear the Word of God and be taught in the Word of God. And then continue in that because it's not always pleasing to the flesh, is it? It's not a lot of hype. It's not a lot of emotion. It's going through the Scriptures. But there's a lot of growth and there's a lot of stability. And I am so privileged to pastor this church Because we just continue to grow in the Word of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're not better than anybody else. I don't say it boastfully. I say it very humbly. What a privilege it is for us to come together and and just open up our Bibles. You know how many churches that people don't even bring a Bible anymore? 
And they'll open it up and go through it line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Going through the books of the Bible and growing. Then you guys go out and you minister and you give truth to others. And out of that comes worship. And out of that comes knowing him and the benefits. It's just wonderful. So here he, he says, in, you know, your testimonies are delight in my counselors. The word of God is our counsel, isn't it? There's a lot of counselors out there. But the word of God is our counsel, and he's our wonderful counselor. And let the word of God counsel you in every area of your life. Know the word of God to give you wisdom. Remember Colossians chapter 2 that we went over not long ago? In him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And don't be cheated by the world's philosophy, traditions of men, that which isn't of Christ. It's him. It's knowing him. It's knowing the word of God that's going to keep you healthy and stable. It's going to keep you you know, strong, it's going to give you wisdom, uh, it's going to give you great joy. It's knowing him, he's our counselor. So here we see um, that uh, the psalmist is saying, hey, continue, you know, that your eyes may be open and, and continue to let the word of God counsel you. Verse 25, that my soul clings to the dust, revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes, make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove me uh, the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. The word of God not only counsels us, but it revives us, lifts us up, The world is heavy, isn't it? So I go back to what Jesus said on that hillside. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and learn of me, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yoke yourself to Jesus. Take on his burden, it's light. The world, yoke yourself to the world, Take on the burdens of the world, the counsel of the world, the ways of the world. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be hard is what it's going to be. Not because Pastor Jeff says so, because the word of God declares that. And so you come to Jesus who are weary and heavy laden. You'll find rest for your souls and yoke yourself to him and take on his burden and and know that he's going to revive you. Doesn't the word of God revive you? Just reading it, the promises of God and Knowing him and his goodness and his compassion. And every time I read the word of God, it brings revival to my heart and lifts me up. And so we see that verse 30 says that I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. It is a choice. It's an important choice to take on the word of God and continue in it. And to cling to the word of God. Hang on to the word of God. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Verse 38, establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. 
Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. So a heart that is steadfast in the word of God will not fall prey to the things of the world. The word of God, again, as you take it in, meditating on the word of God, we're not looking at worthless things. There's so many distractions that are out there for all of us. All the social media and all the things that we get distracted on, we can pull it up on our smartphones and our iPads and on our computers, and we can spend hours and hours and hours of doing that, watching the TVs and all of this, so much worthless things that are out there. Have you ever spent an evening doing that, and you turned it finally all off, and you just said, yuck, I just wasted a whole evening doing that. You know, one of the things that we're going to do in April, is I really feel like the Lord wants us after Easter and before we head into VBS and summer, have a week as a church that we're just going to pray and fast. Just dedicated to that. Just praying and fasting how the Lord leads you and how he guides you and just stopping as a church and really seeking him and coming together in prayer. I think that's very important for us to take a week and just do that. And it's going to be wonderful. You know, we're not going to, you know, make it complicated or anything. And uh, you're going to fast. You know, we'll talk more about it as we get closer, how the Lord leads you. But we talk about fasting. Usually fasting is denying the physical so you can focus on what? The spiritual, right? And oftentimes we talk about fasting, that fasting, you know, uh, maybe a day or a meal or, you know, you know, Taco Bell or whatever, you know, Snicker bars or whatever it may be. And that may be for you. That may be for me. But I think that even as we fast, maybe it might be, you know, for that week, I'm, I'm not going to get on social media. Just going to put it aside. Again, that's up between you and the Lord. I, I'm, I'm not going to spend, you know, surfing the web or, you know, Uh, Googling everything. I'm just going to put that aside. I'm I'm just going to focus on the Lord and spend some time praying. And that might be something that maybe the Lord would speak to you about. And just drawing closer to the Lord and knowing Him. And what you'll find is a lot of those things we didn't really miss. And so we can spend so much time in, in in discussions and getting uptight and looking at this and got to be saying that and all these things. When I want to be making sure that I'm in the Word of God and that's a priority in my life. And I want to be looking at worthless things and useless things. I want to be established in your Word to your servant, as verse 38 says. I want to turn away my reproach, which I dread from your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Just longing for the word of God. And then in verse 41, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me. For I trust in your word and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For I have hoped in your ordinances. So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in your commandments which I love. In my hands also I will lift up to your commandments which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. You want to know God's blessing? Know the word of God. And then we speak God's words to everyone, and we meditate on them continually. 
And the way for us really to be free is to know the word of God. I will walk at liberty, at freedom. Jesus said what? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we trust in the word of God. And take not the word of God utterly out of my mouth. And I have hoped in your ordinances. And I'm going to speak your testimonies also before kings. In other words, listen, listen. Sometimes we can be afraid to speak the word of God, the testimonies of God, because who I don't want them not to like me. Here the psalmist is saying, I'll speak it before kings, because I trust in your word. I trust in your word, so don't back off from giving truth to others. And I pray that we wouldn't have the mindset of, you know what, I I don't want to give them the truth of God's word because they may not like me. They may get upset at me or it's going to cause problems. And there's a way that we can speak the word of God in true wisdom and in love, but don't back away from the word of God. Don't be afraid to give it to people. Yeah, you'll become a reproach. Psalmist is saying, take that away, you know. I'm just going to speak it to the to kings. I'm going to declare your testimony. But you're going to find also that there's true freedom in applying the word of God and speaking the word of God to others. There's real blessing in that. So don't compromise the word of God, none of us. May we stay true to it and speaking it to others and, and being free because we know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we want others to be free, Right? We want others to know the truth. So don't back away from it and compromise it and try to dance around it. Just simply speak it. There is a way that we can speak the word of God that will touch people's hearts. You know, we can do it with gentleness. We can do it with humility. We do it with love. You know, I was talking to somebody today on the radio about, you know, they, they were wanting the witness to, to those who came to her door. And how do I do that? And I know what they're saying is wrong. And she was talking about Jehovah Witnesses. And, and I read to her from Second King or Second Timothy, excuse me, chapter 2. And it was in my devotions yesterday, and I remembered it. But a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, not to some, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So we want to be one that we're gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, not being quarreling, not arguing, not being, you know, uh, just in their face kind of deal. The Word of God. Like a two-edged sword, let it pierce their hearts. Don't pierce their ears. Cut off their ears. Peter, remember in the garden? Takes the sword. Just gets Malchus's ear. Plop goes the ear. It really happened. Jesus picked it up, put it back on his head, healed it. Good thing that happened. Or Peter may have been up on Calvary's hill being pinned to a cross. It was the last miracle Jesus did. Did you know that? Caused by somebody who took out their sword, started swinging it around. Got a year. The word of God, the sword of the spirit. Be careful how you're swinging it around, okay? You don't bloody people up with it. Be gentle, all right? And I know, I had to learn that. When I first got in the ministry, I thought, ooh, I'm going to really show them and, 
I'm going to really, you know, and I got the sword out and it was hack, hack, hack and plop, plop, plop. And it's like, why aren't these people, you know, responding? Why aren't they getting it? And I love to argue and I love to do this and I love to be hard and show them, be gentle, be wise. Let the Spirit of God guide you. Do it with love. But don't back away from the truth of God's word. Amen? Amen. Why don't we start, stop there and we'll get back to it in a couple weeks. Lord, we thank you for this psalm. and The word of God, there's so much to say and to consider. And I thank you for tonight. And Lord, again, may we take the word of God, hide it in our hearts. May it be worked out in our lives. And Lord, we thank you that we have this Bible, which is more valuable than gold, as the psalmist is going to say, and sweeter than any honey. Lord, we are blessed because we have truth. And all scripture is inspired by God. God breathed. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So may we trust in the word of God. May we continue to grow in the word of God, knowing you, growing in the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then sharing that with others and not holding back. I thank you for this church family that, that Lord that together we come here desiring to know you. And in humility and in wisdom and gentleness, may we share it with others, what we learn. Because the world desperately needs to hear your word and your truth. Lord, even though we may become a reproach, maybe there are those who will just hate us or be disappointed in us or come down on us have contempt for us, but Lord, we know that we are to be a light and our weapons are truth and love to others. You convict them with the word that is given to them. And again, Lord, I just pray that we as people come here, that they would sense the love of Christ, that we care for people. We want people to be free because the world just holds them in bondage. They may not see it. We want them to see uh, the enemy blinds them. We want to be able to know you more and to be able to have people see the reality of Jesus Christ in our hearts, to be a testimony of your goodness and truth. Lord, we look forward to next week, Holy Week, and I pray that, that we would reach out to others, especially as they know that it's Holy Week. They know that, that Easter's coming up. They know what it's about. They know it's Christians celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Lord, may we... Just be sensitive to, to pray for them and to talk with them that we would see salvation come to those that are linked to us in our lives as we give them the good news. So, Lord, I thank you for tonight. I pray you take everyone home safely. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, Amen.